Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Today, we celebrate mothers everywhere. Those who are mothers, grandmothers, foster mothers, stepmothers, aunts, community mothers, adoptive mothers, spiritual mothers, and so forth, that commit their life daily to nurturing, caring, and providing daily for others. Mothers are not flawless, but they are to be applauded. In fact, let's just applaud for the mothers. It's a great moment. We especially want to highlight the wise, strong, and protective mothers that bless their household and those around them by their faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I realize, and I, even as a father, and I know, mothers, you know this as well, it's hard to raise your child without Jesus. I should have got more than two amens right there. It is hard to raise your child without Jesus. We need help in raising our children. I thank God for the mothers who depend and trust the Lord wholeheartedly when it comes to dealing with their children. A mother can be described as a woman who has been blessed to give birth to a child or they've been given the responsibility to love and to nurture a child through whatever means that came about. Whether it's adopted or even sad to say they were left on your steps and you had to raise them. A great mother is a woman who loves her child with godly love despite the fact that her role in their life changes with time. And, of course, we know that as children grow, uh, the role of a mother changes over time. It takes wisdom, discernment, and insight to be an influential mother in the hour that we live it in because there's so many opposing forces trying to shatter the relationship between mothers and their children. In fact, let's look at John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The Bible reads as follows. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So the enemy is trying to steal. He's trying to kill and he's trying to destroy. In my opinion, it takes discernment, insight and godly judgment to be able to navigate, move about, steer and operate in this world. When we effectively navigate, we can move forward and progress despite opposition and distractions and behaviors that are contrary to the word of God. It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom. In fact, go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 7. The book of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 7. It says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. So wisdom, wisdom can be defined as how to apply godly revelation. In other words, God gives you a word, he, he it reveals something to you, but you need to know how to navigate what he gives to you. It's no, what good is to get a revelation from God, but you can't use it in your everyday life. And God expects for us to use the revelation that he gives us. And so, therefore, that is what we call wisdom. 
And that needs to be the principal thing, the beginning thing, the chief thing, the best thing, and the main thing. You know what scripture says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so he tells us this is to get wisdom, acquire it, possess it, buy it, and obtain it. And sometimes you got to buy wisdom. I'll be honest with you. I was thinking about the example. I don't know how to fix my body if it starts on my car when it messes up. So I have to buy somebody or pay somebody to give me the necessary things that I need to fix my car. And so there's nothing wrong with buying wisdom as long as you are led by the Holy Spirit and spend your money wisely and when you buy it. And then he says on the latter part of that, in all you're getting, get understanding, get discernment, get insight, get godly judgment or good judgment in your everyday affairs. And you need to make sure you get godly wisdom in your everyday affairs because this is what's going to help us to progress forward and overcome the plans of the enemy. Understanding brings about maturity and teaches us how to effectively apply the word in every area of our lives, which produce godly results. Godly results equals to prosperity. Prosperity, in a simpler term, is just simply getting better. And I thank God that he helps us and he's working with us in order for us to get better. Obtaining and possessing God's word has to be a lifestyle if we're truly going to be effective in this world. Our lifestyle has to be that we get wisdom on a regular basis. We don't need to go two or three weeks and don't talk to God. Don't spend time with God. Don't get in his word. Don't pray. Don't seek the face of God. We don't need to go two or three weeks. It needs to be our lifestyle. Just like, I question, how many people like to eat every day? I'm just wondering, anybody not like to eat every day? If I had some sweet potatoes or I had some cornbread with a little mac and cheese with it, I'm talking about that good mac and cheese. I ain't talking about that other stuff. I'm talking about that good mac and cheese. Would you? Okay, well, all right, then good. Every day we need to get wisdom. You need to desire it, let me say this to you, more than you desire natural food. You need wisdom. You need to talk to Jesus every day through his word, spend time in prayer. And, and really, let me say this to you. Don't think, I, if I'm going to spend four hours with him, then I ain't did anything. Sometimes just a 10-minute prayer can make a difference in your life. Sometimes getting a scripture and just meditating on it can make the difference in how you make a decision down the road during that day. Man, listen, every day we should live by the word of God. God's word gives us insight on spiritual as well as natural matters. The principles, concepts, instructions, guidance, and influence that comes with hearing and applying God's word helps us at home, at work, at school, in business deals, in investments, in business relationships, personal relationships, whatever we need, the word will teach us how to access it. Wisdom and understanding will teach us not to put too much support away on our own understanding, but to place our confidence and security in seeking him in all our ways and doing what he instructs us to do. That's why we like scriptures like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, don't rely, don't support your own understanding. Don't operate in your own knowledge, your own discernment. 
And see, our own knowledge and discernment about the world around us, even ourselves, is limited, but God is unlimited. God is an unlimited God. He knows what is going to happen in the future, and he can continue to direct and guide us. That's why he said in verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct. He's going to guide He's going to make smooth. He's going to level out your paths, your world, your way of doing things. And let me say this to you. Just acknowledging him is going to make a huge difference in your life and how you approach life. Acknowledging him on a day-by-day basis. Acknowledge him in relationships. Acknowledge him when you go to work. Acknowledge him when you're in school. Acknowledge him in every area of your life, and it's going to make a difference. We must work to develop a lifestyle, learn how to know God, distinguishing his voice, recognizing his guidance so that we can hear and apply his word in our lives. The more that we hear and apply his word, we're going to see that it works. How many can testify that the word works? I mean, the word works. Hallelujah. Then as we trust his word, excuse me, as we continue to apply his word, we can trust him wholeheartedly. Today we want to meet a woman, the Bible describes as a woman of good understanding. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm going to start off at verse 1. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and buried him in his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now we see Samuel, the son of Elkanah, the judge and the prophet of Israel, and during the days of Saul and David, he died. And the Israelites gathered together and lamented, or they mourned for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. But then David left the area, and he went down to the wilderness of Paran, and this is where he operated it. Understand this. David is in the wilderness of Paran. Now he's operating down there and he's doing what he's doing. Now remember that David had, and we're going to find out a little bit later, David has some men with him who are professional warriors. They know how to fight. They know how to fight. Some people pretend like they can fight and you see them say, oh, they can't fight. You saw David men? Oh, these men can fight. These men can go. So David's operating, and then we pick it up in verse 2. It says this, Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. So now we've run across a man in Maon who had business, had possessions, occupations, acts, and deeds, and he was operating in Carmel. Now, this man was very rich. I mean, when we say very rich, he had, the Bible says, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, this man, let me tell you something, he, he was loaded. He had some money. And, but the thing is, you can't let money trick you. You can't let money deceive you. Because just because folks got money don't mean they got good character. Because Nabal, who the man we're going to be talking about, the Bible calls him a fool. Now, I'm not saying everybody got money a fool. I'm just saying Nabal was a fool. All right? Because you can have money and have good sense, too. You can have money and be wise, too. So 
don't let that fool you, but understand the character of the person who has the money. And so, and another, another thing too, ooh, be careful and don't fall for somebody because they flashing a few hundred dollar bills at you. Because you can marry them and mess around and have a, a life of pain and misery in the long run. You know, uh, that he was rich. He was great in number, importance, had much, had abundance, had, the, he was distinguished among men. But he had a few more character flaws with him. You know, when the Bible calls you harsh, you harsh. <laughs> when you, cr- I mean, harsh, cruel, difficult, stubborn, and stiff-necked. And the Bible says you evil, you evil. I mean, you bad, you unpleasant, you displeasing, and you unkind. And, and this is what you need to understand. He wasn't just harsh and evil one time. This was his pattern. This is how he lived. This is the man. Listen, it wasn't just he had this one bad day we're going to talk about. But this man had a lifestyle of being harsh and evil. And I'm still in the back of my mind. This is a side note for somebody. Don't, don't tell nobody I said this, okay? But when, how in the world did he get Abigail? Anyway, that's, that's, that's for a different day. So he was harsh and evil in his doings, in his deeds, in his practices, and his act. It's interesting enough, he was from the lineage of Caleb. Now, Caleb was from Moses' day, and his name means dogger because he was just so on fire for the promises of God. And I, I, I could go in Caleb for a moment, but he, they mentioned that for a reason. And let me say this to you. You can be of a good lineage, don't mean you're going to have godly character. Let me say that again. Just because you got good family, you got a good mother, you got a good father, don't mean you're going to turn out good. You got to have a relationship with Jesus for yourself. For yourself. Now, we see the name of Nabal means a fool. A name reveals, in this particular case, his nature. Many times the individuals who wrote about the accounts, different accounts for reading scripture, gives us definitions based on the name uh, of, excuse me, what that individual did while they were on the earth. So Nabal's, the reason they call him a fool is, is because of what he did while he was on the earth. And based on his character, he was considered a fool. Now, that's why we got to be careful about how, what we call our children as well. Let me say that again. We've got, we got to be careful how, what we call our children. And I don't care how they act, we still got to say what God says about them. Well, that's a whole different ballgame, ain't it? Hallelujah. First Samuel 25 and 3. And so now we pick it up that the name of the man was Nabal. Name meaning a fool. And the name of his wife is, well, excuse me, his wife is Abigail. Abigail means my father is joy. And the Bible says this, she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. So look at Abigail for a moment. Abigail, first of all, she was a good, a pleasant, a beneficial, intellectual, and valuable understanding. She had insight. She comprehended matters. She had good judgment. One of the definitions that stands out to me about her is 
She comprehended the real state of things. She understood what was going on in situations. And I, I believe truly, if you're going to be a woman of good understanding, you got to be able to comprehend what's going on from a spiritual standpoint. You got to be able to say, hey, I know you're doing one thing, but hey, let me tell you something. And I just tell my son, son, stuff you're doing or trying to do, you can't play that game with us. Because we've been down that road. We haven't done that stuff. Or try to anyway. But the thing is, sometimes you have to know by the Spirit of God what to do in these situations. What to do and what not to do. Everybody understand that? Because when you're raising your children, you give them to the Lord, you got to follow his guide and direction. You can't give them to the Lord and raise them like you want to raise them. Let me say that again. You can't give them to the Lord and then raise them how you want to raise them. When you give them to the Lord, you got to raise them how the Spirit of God is leading you. And, you. and let me say this to you. And God will not always agree with your decision as a parent. <laughs> Woo. Let me get out of that because y'all got quiet real early. We got, we got a long way to go. Y'all come, let's move together. First Samuel 25. Let's go to verse four. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So remember now, David is in the wilderness. He so now, Nabal is in the wilderness too, but he's shearing his sheep. David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now, I've heard that you have shears. Now, think about this for a moment. Ten warriors going against, talking to ten shears. Or was people that took care of sheep and took care of goats. Now, if they got to fight, I don't put much hope with the shears and the ones that take care of the goats. Because they're not professional fighters. Now, shearing a sheep? Oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put nothing on the ones that were trying to, to hold a sword, could they shear sheep? But when it comes to this, all that these ten men are doing, they're going in David's name. They're going to say and do how David told them to do. And the Bible says they're ten young men. I thought about this from this point. These had to be some disciplined young men. So don't tell me young men can't be disciplined. Because these young men, they went and they did what they were told to do. See, and let me say this to you. One day, uh, women of God, you're going to have a man, find a man who's obedient and a servant of the Lord. Just like something like these young men here. And so they did this and they're going, uh, verse eight, ask your young men that they would tell you, therefore let my Young men, find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever to your hand, to your service, and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nathan according to all the words in the name of David, and they waited. So notice these, these young men have said what David told them to say, and then they just waited for a response. They didn't add anything to it. They didn't take anything away from it. These ten young men were disciplined young men. And then it goes on to say in verse 10, Then Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servant nine days who break away each one from his master. 
Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for my shears and give it to men who, when I do not know where they are from? Can you imagine these 10 young men having to hold their mouth? Because sometimes young men can be a little high strung. Oh, well, thank y'all. Keep praying. Keep praying. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about a little later. They can be a little high strung. So these 10 young men, they help. They say, hey. I'm thinking, they finna jump on this man right here. Because they talk, he, he talking to them like any kind of way. And so the 10 young men knows their response and they will answer said and so forth. Uh, so David's, verse 12. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told him all these words. Can you imagine what they told David? They probably told him just like he said it. And then they probably add a few more words into it too. David, I'm telling you, this man, I t- it took everything I had with him. This is me talking. I took everything with, to slap him across his head, talking to me like that. He don't know who he's talking to. Because they're professional fighters. These ain't no shears. You can't talk. This got to be careful who you talk to, how you talk to. Because you never know the background of certain individuals. You can raise your voice to some people, and they may not say anything. Some people, they they waiting to hit you. That's why you got to be led by the Holy Spirit and how you communicate to other people. Because some people may not say anything, but they can make your life miserable. Because you got to come back to them for help. And they're going to remember how you treated them. Oh, when I, listen, when I came to you saying, can I help you? You already had attitude. Can I see the manager? Can I see the manager? Okay. They turn around, I'm the manager. <laughs> so what you going to do now? Wait, wait, wait. See, no. You got to be careful how you speak to people. So, so when they went back and told David, David got a little hot. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also. Gird it on his sword. Let me tell you something. When David put on his sword, somebody get ready to die. I'm going to tell you, that's how David rolled. David wasn't no Mickey Mouse leader. David was a person that could fight. And he was teaching an amendment to read 400 men. All 400 men knew how to fight. Because that's what David did for a living. People paid him for his protection. And listen, sometimes it's not the fact that they tried to do anything and they had to fight. It's just the fact, oh, we ain't finna attack these folks. They got some protection on them. And this ain't regular protection. This ain't no um, Barney Fife police station. This is the real deal. <laughs> these folks are packed down. They rent like they've been fighting a long time. Look, they got the scars on them. Like they listen, got, listen, they got some stuff on them. Like they ready. They could fight any moment. And so they have been protecting Naval sheep from anything. And sometimes they may not have to even throw a battle, but just because they there, when nobody gonna mess with them. And nobody did. And, and not only that, they didn't even take nothing for what they were doing. And when it was time to settle up, they said, hey, we want to make sure, we want to be taken care of. We need some supplies. Can you help us out, please? 
And I, and, but when they, when he disrespected the 10 men, t- David took it personally because it was just like, it was just like David coming asking him for the help. And then he said, no, David, I ain't going to help you and talk to you just any type of way. Talk to him like he was a belief beneath who David was or who David is at that particular time. And so, and so we pick it up here and, uh, verse 13, and about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. So 400 men put on their sword and they get ready to go fight. And they angry and they upset and they mad and they say, and they hungry too because they ain't got no food because they didn't have anything. Y'all, y'all missed it. Well, y'all, y'all never dealt with hungry folks, have you folks? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I never dealt with anybody hungry. I'm sorry. I mean, they hungry. I mean, they hungry. I, I need some food. Don't, no, no, we need some food. What? We ate, ate, I, I ain't ate no food. I want some food. And, and these were hungry individuals. Now, one of the young men, verse 14, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messages from the wilderness to greet our master and he reviled them. Reviled them basically means he talked down to them. He talked down to them. He talked nasty to them. He screamed at them. He criticized them. He insulted them. He verbally abused them. And these men took it like no other. They took it. Now think about this. The servants saw the whole thing. Thank God the servants said, you know what? I finna book up and head the other way. Because this man finna come back and kill everything up in him. He could have did that. I thought about it. If I was that servant, I like I ain't finna go back up in this camp <laughs> to everything calm back down. Cause this man crazy up in him. He talking to these warriors, and we nothing but people that cut sheep wool. We don't fight. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Not <laughs> so. Here it is, they're there, and, the, and the, the servant saw what had happened, and he goes back, and he tells Abigail. Abigail. Now, think about this. Abigail's getting ready to hear what happened in that particular encounter. Now, one of the young men told Abigail, verse 14, 1 Samuel 25, 14, Nabal's wife saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. He, he screamed at them. He criticized them. He insulted them. He verbally abused them. I'm thinking in my mind, this, this, this young man think, hey, if I was these men, I'd been hot too. They've been, but, let me read, let me read, let me read to you, let me read to you, let me read to you. Verse 15. But the men were very good to us. And we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by night and day. All the time we were with them keeping the sheep. So in other words, they protected them 24-hour protection. 24-hour protection they were with them. And now all they asked for is some nourishment. Basically food. And Nabal screamed at them, criticized them, insulted them, verbally abused them. Now, therefore, Noah considered what you would do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do, but what you're going to do. 
For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Now it's amazing she did not speak up for her husband when, when this servant called her husband, her, his boss, a scoundrel. I would hope that one, if somebody said that, Pastor Dobb, your husband ain't nothing but a scoundrel. <laughs> She would at least speak up for me if I was not a scoundrel. <laughs> now, my husband ain't no scoundrel. Now, he might like to eat big chick. I, I give you that. He might sneak down the roosters and get some food. I give you that. He might watch cartoons. I give you that. He might watch movies real loud. But a scoundrel? There wasn't no argument with his wife, because she knew he was a scoundrel. And she knew she had to do something. This is a woman of good understanding. She was a woman of good understanding. And so, it goes on to say here, then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread Two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seeds of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband, Abel. No, she took action. She took action. A woman of good understanding is going to take action. She, listen, she didn't go around trying to, listen, she had to do something. She didn't wait for somebody. Well, what are we going to do? See, a woman of good understanding is going to take action. And so she took action. She sent, uh, this, all these different items ahead of her. And then in verse 20, so it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under, cover of the hill, and there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. 400 men, one woman, with some food, a servant, against 400 angry, hungry, fighting men. And Abigail has stopped the show. The whole, sh- they get ready, they coming. Cause you think about this, they get ready to come. Notice what they, how David says in, in verse, uh, 21. That David had said, surely in vain have I protected all this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. Oh, not him. Not him. Oh, oh no. I'm sorry. That, that's me adding a little. Wrap a little into it, but it was something. I believe it was something along that line. I don't think it was like, well, you know, he. I protected him, and so it was. Um, you know, I just wanted to. No, anger. David, I believe, was a little upset, and he and he puts it like this: If you think I'm going to protect all his stuff and not get paid, you got another thing coming. <laughs> and goes on to say in the uh, verse. May God do so, verse 22, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male 
of all who belong to him by morning light. Notice, I'm killing every male in camp. If they were there or not there, I'm killing every male in that camp. I'm thinking, dog, what did I do, man? Why are you killing me, man? I wasn't there. <laughs> I'd have gave you the stuff. I promise you. You want me to go steal some stuff and give it to you? I will give you the stuff. I take the bump, but here, don't kill me, brother. And you know, they share it. They can't, well, I don't say they can't fight. They probably couldn't fight like David's men. 400 men with swords, and David had a sword too, and David could fight. I mean, David killing giants with, 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 with slingshots. You know, he, some sheep seers, people that cut. <laughs> this was not going to be a pretty sight, y'all. And notice they're coming after the males. I said, Whew. And Abigail on stepped up with food. And she's getting ready to talk to David. I was going to say this point for later, but it's just a good thing you need to understand. You got to know how to talk to men. Thank you all for the two and a half amen right now. You got to know how to talk to men. And Abigail did. She got her husband, Nabal, and now she's going to talk to David. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, oh, on me, my Lord, on, on me, let this iniquity be. I want you to understand that she was riding up. She met David. She got off the horse. Oh, excuse me, what she was riding. Fell down at David's feet. And y'all know David. Y'all know David, right? The Bible says she was beautiful. And y'all know that David uh, had a thing for beautiful women. Because when he saw that woman bathing on the roof, he messed up a whole lot of folks. Because God knew how to get David's attention. Yeah, see, y'all missed that day. See, God knew how to get your attention. He know how to get your attention. Now, what you do with it going to be up to you, but he knows how to get your attention. And so he got his attention. And, and then she goes on to say, hey, don't put this on them. Put this on me. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel neighbor. She called her own husband a scoundrel. Y'all see the text, right? She knew her husband. She knew her husband was a scoundrel. Now, this is what you need to know. I don't think this was his first time treating people bad. I think he had a pattern of doing stuff like this. But he ran across the wrong one doing wrong this time. Yeah, he about to get every male in his house killed by... Well, y'all see the text. I know y'all can make some several implications when you read something like this. And it goes on to say this. For as his name is, so is he. He, he is a scoundrel. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back, from coming to bloodshed, from avenging yourself with your own hand, 
Now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. She began to speak, call those things that be not as though they were. She said, I don't believe you want to really want to shed blood over him. I don't think you really want to do this. Because, and goes on to say, I'm going to read it in just a moment. This really ain't worth it. You're trying to get revenge with your own hand. Now, when it's time for you to fight, yeah, you can fight. But this is really not even worth your time. Dealing with this scoundrel. Killing sheep, uh, sheep shears. People that really can't even fight that good. I mean, they probably could fight a little bit, but they couldn't fight like David's men. If, if David lost one or two men, I would be surprised in this situation. Because these men could fight. And it goes on to say in verse 27, and now this present, and now this present your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will cer- certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Now that's a bold statement she makes about David. And so in verse 29, yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord should be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God and the lives of your enemies. You shall sling out as from the pocket as a sling, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. She began to speak to David's destiny. She began to speak to his destiny. Listen, don't look at this man, Nabal. You got bigger, bigger and great things to do for the kingdom of God. Don't waste your time dealing with a scoundrel or a man of folly or about or his definition is a fool. You got a destiny to do. You're going to be ruler over Israel. Why are you putting yourself in this level dealing with a scoundrel? See, one thing I, I noticed about this, she was helping him to prioritize. Don't mess around with this little small stuff. You'll be wasting your, listen, you, you will waste so much time dealing with foolish situations. Hmm, that's a good lesson for us to learn, ain't it? Why are we dealing with so much foolish situations? When God tells us, leave that stuff behind you. Leave it behind you. Verse 31, that this, that this will be no grief to you, no offense of the heart of my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or, the, or that my Lord has avenged himself. When the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She did put a plug in for herself, didn't she? I ain't mad with her too, because, you know. And I'm sure David saw her. <laughs> I'll let y'all think about that a little bit later. Let's look at some points I, I, I need to cover just real briefly. David had allowed his mouth and his attitude to get him in trouble. And after he had did that, you got to understand, sometimes you can get yourself in such a trouble, so much trouble, it takes the hand of God to get you out of it. It takes the hand of God to get you out of it. 
Abigail used her intellect and her good judgment to calm David down. And we see that Abigail had a way with words and she knew how to speak to the destiny of David. And David knew that Abigail was sent by God. We read in verse 32. Then David said to Abigail, blessed the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me. David realized that God had sent or directed her to meet him. Isn't that powerful to know? That a woman of good understanding knows when she's sent by God. Knows when she's sent by God. In verse 33, and blessed is your advice and blessed are you. Notice a woman of good understanding. She's going to be blessed. She's going to give thanks and praise and she's going to give godly advice. She's going to give godly judgment and the godly decision making. And blessed are you because you've kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord of Israel lives, who has kept me back or refrained or hindered me from hurting you, unless you had heard and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. I would have killed every male in that camp. Boy, they was mad. But you know what? One thing I know about David. If David said he's going to kill every male in the camp, every male would have been dead. You know anything about David. So notice how the Abigail has stopped the attack of David on her household. A woman of good understanding. She knew the situation that was before her. She knew how to handle it. And well, excuse me, she had a good idea of how to handle it. I don't really know if she really knew, knew how to handle it, but I believe she was led by the Lord in her response. So I'm going to close if I look at the eight traits of a woman of good understanding based on Abigail's example. One, she's pleasant, intellectual, valuable, and beneficial to others. She's pleasant, intellectual, valuable, and beneficial to others. See, Abigail did not wait for someone to do something when she heard about David coming. But she used what she had in her household to deal with the situation. See, those of a good understanding use what God has given them and do not make excuses for what they do not have. It's about using what you got under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Second point, she was insightful and had the ability to judge matters skillfully. She was insightful and had the ability to judge matters skillfully. She did not make excuses for her husband, which to me helped David have mercy upon the situation. Because sometimes people, you try to help somebody and they make excuses for the person you're trying to help. For example... And I've seen this and dealing over the years. Junior will steal money out of grandma's, steal, uh, steal grandma's rent money to get drugs with it. And grandma will make an excuse for Junior. Little Susie will act up in school, but it's the teacher's fault for everything little Susie do. That was not 
Abigail. That was not Abigail. She did not make excuses for her husband. I don't believe she made excuses for anybody else neither. Three, she's beautiful inwardly, most importantly, as well as outwardly. Four, she is blessed. She's blessed. Five, she recognizes and obeys the voice of the Lord. She appealed to David's spiritual side instead of his need for revenge for his people, someone of good understanding will guide someone to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit and not to lean on their own understanding. See, one thing about it, I believe when she recognized and obeyed the voice of the Lord, she helped David to go back to what God has spoken to her in the long run. Remember, you don't, be, you don't need to be doing that. You remember, you got to rule over Israel. Why are you messing around with this foolish situation? And she reminded him of that and see people of good understanding will go back. Hey, what did God say to you? What did God speak to you? What is God saying in your life? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? Number six, she gives praiseworthy advice and makes good decisions. She gives praiseworthy advice and makes great decisions, I should say. She spoke to a bigger picture in David's life that that why should you bother with something that's not even with your destiny? See, defeating Nabal would not take him to his purpose. See, someone of good understanding is not going to allow petty items to deter them from their destiny. They're not going to allow the petty items to deter them from their destiny. She had, number seven, she has the ability to see the big picture and navigate through difficult situations. She had the ability to see the big picture and navigate through difficult situations. One thing that I thought about in that, she did not take revenge, which she easily could have. I was thinking about this. This is my imagination. I'm not saying it would happen. But she could have said, hey, David, I tell you what, you got all this food right here. Excuse me. Nabal, he had the third tent to the left. He got on a blue and a purple outfit. Go get him. <laughs> I don't like the man no way. <laughs> she could have did that easily. And she would have been a widow just like that. But she did not do that. She said, let the Lord do it. Let the Lord take care of this situation. Abigail did not take revenge. And I thought she easily could have too. I thought she easily could have said, hey, you know what? Go get him. He in that third tent to the left. He got on blue and yellow. Go get him. You never thought about that sometime when your spouse ain't acting right? Lord, go get him. <laughs> Verse 8, uh, number 8, I should say, she protects her husband and household even though she may not agree with their actions. She protects her husband and her household, even though she may not agree with their action. Abigail, in my opinion, as well as others like her, can be considered women, and we could be men, of good understanding. Women and men of good understanding. And in the end, we find out later on, if you read down the rest of the chapter, chapter, 
Nabal ended up dying, and the Lord struck him a few days later, about 10 days later, ended up dying. When David heard about his death, he said, you know what? The Lord revenged me for, for what happened. But he also didn't forget about how beautiful Abigail was. Because the brother said, hey, um, she got anybody with him? Listen, send a, send a note to her that uh, if she ain't got nobody, will she be mine? Check yes or no. And uh, she got the note. She looked at it. Woo! David was a good-looking brother. And she checked yes and uh, closed it back and sent it back to him. And they got married. <laughs> now, I might be saying it in my own terminology, but if you read the rest of the story, she did end up marrying David. And uh, it looked like it wasn't too much longer after his death, too. Because soon as he found out, that, uh, when David found out that he was gone, bro slid on in there, didn't <laughs> As y'all say in terminology, slid in her DM. <laughs> but, and of course she ended up marrying, marrying David. A woman Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.